Take off, you hosers. Episode 21 of Hosers. My name's Chris Killingsworth. Joining me as always is uh, co-host number one, Carter Lupel. What's going on, Carter? How's it going, Chris? It's going good. Uh, if you haven't listened to the season two intro little mini episode, which uh, will be posted before this is posted, uh, you'll know that Thomas Williams, our friend, uh, has come aboard and will be our number three Hoser, that sounds so stupid. Coming on as our intern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> intern Thomas lives. Yeah. Uh, so Thomas is going to be with us moving forward, which is amazing. We're so excited to have him uh, along for the ride. Uh, I will say that our um, listenership has been up since we've made this decision. I'm not sure if Thomas was maybe buying like SoundCloud listens. That's all I do. Because all of a sudden we have 70 listens from the Netherlands, which is not always a prominent hockey country. So I don't know what you were doing, but you're already a part of the gig, man. Like you don't have I to. Was buying, I was buying all those Dutch listens, just <laughs> bribing you. Just we appreciate it, yeah. but uh, really exciting uh, to have you on. Um, obviously, you've been on the show a couple of times, and we're excited to have you uh, with us moving forward. Uh, any uh, any goals that you want to set um, in the next little while here, just so we can hold you accountable. We're really putting on the spot. <laughs> we're going to go back <laughs> on season three. Yeah. Like, did intern yeah. Thomas, did he do what he needed to do? <laughs> I'll buy more listens, this okay. time like from Italy, and then I'll be like, perfect. More hockey. Amazing. <laughs> uh, Maybe do Beijing's. Yeah. <laughs> it's a growing sport in China. That's what I mean. That, which is great. Uh, on with fucking Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carter, we have a special guest. I'd love if you would introduce her uh, to the people that are listening and we can move forward. Absolutely. Um, so with us today is one of my co-workers, Lexi Hoffmeyer. Hey. Yay. So um, this is the start. <laughs> Sorry. People are playing Fortnite in the room. <laughs> They're excited to have you on yeah, as well. So Matthews, Marner, if you're listening, you're probably playing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, do you want to go through the list or do you want to? Yeah, it's a pretty short list. No. Um... Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. I've heard a lot of great things about the hosers, mostly because I was paid to say that by yeah. Thomas. But. You're not Dutch enough, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other, like, do you spend any of your time, because I know you traveled quite a bit, you weren't in the Netherlands in the last little while. I wasn't. I do have some offshore accounts there. That, uh, <laughs> there's some funds that have been added, which is great. Yeah. Amazing. By yeah, by Thomas. So Lexi Hoffmeyer, um, I guess let's go through the rap sheet. Uh, you played for Honeybake U19 in the T1EHL, 19U, for two years. Um, 
and then you transitioned over to the NCAA, played for Mercyhurst for a year. Can I just interject really quickly? I don't know if you know this about Carter, but since we started this show, anytime college hockey gets brought up, he always says NC2A. Okay. I would love, just to pause it, because... Obviously, like we can go through all of your accomplishments, which we're excited to do. Do you know anybody who calls it NC2A? Is that a thing in the U.S.? It is not a thing in the U.S. I think I've heard it here. By Carter? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that. In the states, okay. Oh, fuck me then. <laughs> it's At just, least not in the hockey world. Maybe we, in other sports. But we no. just we've been teasing Carter since the first episode. I'm like nobody calls it that. I don't know why you call it that. Just some fun slang. Yeah. I get th- my dad called it two A like my whole yeah, life. So <laughs> <laughs> he Sorry. he is kind of an idiot, honestly. <laughs> No, no, Craig's the man. But um, sorry. sorry, Carter, for interrupting. But I just needed to get that out of the way. That's okay. Well, well, you played in the NCAA. That yeah, is correct. Uh, you played uh, for uh, Mercyhurst University for a year, then the University of Maine for three, um, and you got drafted out of NCAA uh, to the CWHL to the Toronto Arrows at the time, um, which then transitioned over to the Furies, where you played for five years. You're drafted 28th overall in the 2010 CWHL draft, and you are a Clarkson Cup winner. Yeah, Welcome. which is that's pretty good. Pretty? Did he hit everything? I think that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, there were no dental records that you dug. That was SIM number. That's how your money got to you. <laughs> yeah, so. that was pretty good. Thank you. No, we did our homework. So welcome, Lexi Hoffmeyer. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Carter had mentioned, I think around the time that you started working here, that uh, that he knew you and that you know that we would hopefully have you on the show at some point. So that's exciting. Anytime we have a guest come on, we always start off with the same question. We'll ask the same one to you. What was the kind of the catalyst that got you into hockey? What was something that... Uh, you know, kind of brings you back a little bit as being kind of a turning point for your fandom and then, of course, playing as well. Yeah, I um, I grew up a rink rat. My older brother played, so that was probably the direct line to it. So I was basically born and raised running around hockey rinks. Um, so I was just always there. It became a bit of a natural habitat. And I hated being there until <laughs> I could play. And then I just fell in love with it instantly. So that was sort of the path. I started playing when I was five years old and then just kept going ever since so it's been a yeah it's been quite a few years skates that's amazing never yeah. turned back I love that. never turned back uh, are yeah. you, you from the toronto area uh so i grew up in michigan oh in michigan yeah i'm from Perfect. the states i am a dual citizen okay cool yeah dad's a farm boy from saskatchewan so i got that's those amazing yeah i got that blood from him but yeah, I uh, I had to choose between ballet and hockey at one point growing up. So yeah. here I am you now in right Canada, choice. yeah, <laughs> still pursuing hockey things. So when you were uh, in Michigan, so did your dad? Like your parents obviously met at some point in time. Did he go to school there, or did you did you find? Do you know the answer? No, no, I actually don't. <laughs> To yeah. me, Saskatchewan, yeah. like, good Saskatchewan farm boy is, yeah. like, such, like, a Canadian, like, archetype for, like, a hockey player. Um, I'm trying to think of some Saskatchewan-born hockey players. I know well, all the St. Mary's universities out in Saskatchewan, like, Lehman went there. All those guys, like, go through that Shen. system. Shen. Like, yeah. Uh, he's from Saskatchewan, for sure. I know... Uh, I, I, 
Babcock, of course. Uh, who Wickenheiser. else? Yeah, Wickenheiser. Yeah. Uh, Blake Como is from Saskatchewan as Where well. Um, uh, Holtby, where's he from? He, I think he, he might be from around there too. Or BC, or there. no, he's not BC. It's one of the, it's one of the like central. I think provinces. he's Saskatchewan. One of the three. So, dad's from Saskatchewan. Goes, I'm gonna guess. I don't know this. You can ask these guys. We should do the whole podcast where you just yeah. guess. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> your dad. Let me guess. So your dad is from Saskatchewan. Um, Right now, Chris is reading her palm. (laughs) My guess is that he played junior A so that he could not forfeit his college, uh, what's what's the terminology? Like your college eligibility. He went and played for somewhere in Michigan. Yeah. Wolverines? So he he didn't go the college route. So he played, at the time, the Flint Generals existed in the IHL. Okay, So he was coming up the ranks and played for them. Um, so that's where he met my mom. Um, her parents were big fans because it was the local team. That's what they did. And he asked my mom out on a date at one sort of meet the players event. And she said, that's a hard no from me. <laughs> that's <And amazing. laughs> he was very Classic. Pers- he was very persistent. So here I am. That's yeah. amazing. So you grew up in Michigan, obviously. Yeah. At any point in time, did you live in Saskatchewan? Never. I've been there twice. Okay. Um, he's from a small farm community, Doddsland. Okay, never heard of it. It's like I think he made that up. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like this is Dad's land. <laughs> <laughs> it's about forty kilometers north of some other town that no one's heard of. Yeah. Either, I think um, you can usually say like Moose Jaw or like Regina. Yeah. That's like Saskatoon. No, nope, yeah, it's not near bet. any of those. Um, like northern Saskatchewan. It's like central. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I could also just be making that up. It's tough to tell. That's cool. I've been there twice. Uh, so do you still have some family that live in Saskatchewan? None in Saskatchewan. Uh, I still have family out west in BC and Edmonton. Okay, cool. So I get to see them every once in a while. When I played for the Furies, when we got to go to Calgary, I got to see some family a little bit out there, which was nice. That's awesome. See some cousins. But yeah, no family still out there. So we've gone out a few times, which has been good to get to see that and yeah. experience that because it's totally different life than living in Toronto. Totally. What was it like, one, playing in Michigan and two, growing up playing like as a girl and as a woman like growing up in hockey? Yeah, I think Michigan, well, Toronto in general is just, there. It's there's just so many opportunities in Toronto, so you're a bit spoiled here in that regard <laughs> of just all of the organizations mm-hmm. um, and levels that are available. So in Michigan... It wasn't really a choice whether or not I played with boys when I was younger because there just were no girls teams yeah. um, where I was from. And so I grew up just outside of Flint and the closest girls team was an hour away in Detroit. And I think the youngest team they even had was a 12 and under or 16 and under team that I knew of. So I didn't even have the option to play girls until that point. It was just natural that any girl, which was rare at the time that played, you played with boys until you aged out and the boys hit puberty and then you had a girls option. Mm -hmm. And I know it's gotten a bit better now and they've developed the girls programs and Michigan does have a very strong girls program. Um, But yeah, growing up, it wasn't an option. I know it's interesting to look back now and think if I had the option, what what I would have done. Yeah. I probably still would have played boys for a bit. I think in Toronto, I definitely would have gone girls just because the, their organizations are 
incredible and they put so much so many resources into it and I know a lot of girls who've gone on to play university and professional that now coach in those systems yeah so I see the resources that they have available which is just it's incredible what they have now for these girls that they didn't you know 20 uh, yeah. years ago so it's great to see now but it was it was a different world then for sure was it ever like intimidating or like strange like playing on a boys team I think I was always too young to notice. Like, yeah. looking back, I realized there were a lot of times where, like, my, my locker room was usually a broom closet mm-hmm. or, like, the public yeah. washroom in the lobby <laughs> or maybe if they had, an, like, the ref's room or something yeah. on a different pad, I could use that. Um, so looking back, it was a bit interesting, but I just, I loved the game and I was so hungry and I think part of it, it almost motivated me more because I felt like I had to prove myself yeah. to be out there. Yeah. Um, so I think it made me better and even work a little bit harder at the time. Yeah. Well, if it helps, you probably made it farther than any of the boys. I think it's it's interesting too because if you remember, how many other girls would there have been like on your team or maybe an opposing team at any given time? Yeah. So I remember in our association, Flint EMHA. I think there were three other girls that I remember being around the same time and two of them went on to play NC2A. <laughs> oh, nice. That's a callback. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> um, and, but that was the thing because if you were a girl, you had to really want to play because yeah. it was such an effort sure, to play course, with the boys. Yeah. So, uh, and they're both goalies actually, the two that I played with and they ended up going on to play university hockey. Um, so yeah, it was just, we were a rare we were tough to come by. Workhorses, though. Yeah. That's the... Yeah, it was great because girls oftentimes grow a little bit earlier than boys, so there was a point where I was bigger than them yeah. and stronger than them, and then they started to grow, and I no longer wanted to be the tough guy out there. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was fun while it lasted. From what you remember, because I know that you've played a couple of different positions in your time playing hockey, um, was there at any point in time uh, an advantage to playing a certain position because maybe you were a little bit bigger than they were during like a certain period of time? Yeah, I don't think growing up at that at that young of an age before yeah. it mattered, before anyone really hit puberty, like none of us had muscles or anything. Yeah. Um, so I don't really think I had much of an advantage there. Um, I ask because I feel like most of the like you can speak to your brothers and even like my brothers everybody wanted to be a forward yeah like nobody oh, wanted yeah. to play defense just because you weren't really built for it but the only reason I, why i was a defenseman is because no one played defense and i just got shuffled yeah as a defenseman yeah absolutely you want the glory as a kid too you just want that glory of scoring that big goal and yeah up there everyone wants to play center yeah <laughs> yeah everyone wanted to be 19 steve eiserman yeah and i don't blame them although yeah. i'm more of a fedorov guy <laughs> I'm more of a Sackett guy. We've long talked about yeah. how I hate the Avalanche. He doesn't like Barnaby Joe Psycho. <laughs> no, I just, I never did as a kid, but I will say, because you would have been growing up during like the Detroit dominance of the NHL. Yeah. Um, Thomas, I'm sure you have yeah. some questions about this. Sure. But what was that like with Detroit being such a hotbed? They had such a dominant team for a very large chunk of the 90s, even up until fairly recently, dominant every year. What was it like growing in Michigan as a kid who had all of that around you all the time? Yeah, I think it made a huge impact on the amount of kids that played. Yeah. And you see it every 
time a team wins or is successful in a market that's a bit newer or anywhere. Like there's just this surge in kids signing up, but it was interesting for me. Uh, my dad actually worked forever for the New Jersey Devils. He was a scout for them. So we naturally were fans of the Devils. And that was also, the Devils were really good. I was going to say, you couldn't really go wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, 94, 95, that was the Stanley Cup final. It was the Devils and Red Wings. And then the Red Wings won next year. Yeah, the following year. The following year, that's right. and so it was always a source of contention because we were a Devils family, but the Red Wings were so good too. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, whenever I go home, I love it. Like it's great for a community to be able to rally around this team, and it's the same thing in Toronto too. You just see how excited the city gets for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so fun to watch. Oh, These I guys were so good. Can only imagine. Can imagine yeah. growing up watching Fedorov and Eisenman and Lindstrom. Like it's. But also, and then just. And then you had the brawl, the Red Wings avalanche brawls, which even now when you go to sports bars in Michigan, like those pictures are just plastered. (laughs) Like it's so good. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, um, yeah, I guess we'll keep pushing forward then. Yeah. It's all Um, you, buddy. So just like kind of back to your playing a bit and just growing up, did you ever like play on a men's team out of necessity or like, sorry, not out of necessity, but to like chase an opportunity that wasn't like was it ever like when it came to the point where it was a choice did you always play women's hockey or did you choose to play a men's hockey team yeah so once it there became an opportunity to play girls so that was my first year in high school yeah so I was 13 turning 14 yeah and I went to girls hockey because then you could start being scouted for NCAA um, so playing on those teams. So I went to 19, the U19 team yeah. right away as an underage player mm-hmm. because that's where the scouts are. Um, and if it weren't for that, I think I would have gone to girls at that point anyway just because the, the boys were getting so big and there was yeah. no purpose for me to be there when then I'm just potentially risking injury and yeah. I should switch over and start crafting my game because it is a bit of a different style. Yeah. Um, in women's hockey, you have a bit more time. It's about a bit more skill and finesse and making a smart play as, a mo- as opposed to making a quick play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there was no reason for me to not switch to girls hockey at that point. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it was great because it forced me playing with the boys and playing with them at a point where you could check forced me to be a heads-up hockey player. I was which is say that might have... Invaluable, yeah. yeah. Um, because even though you can't technically hit in women's hockey, body contact's still allowed, mm-hmm. but it just makes you a better player if you're aware, if you're always aware of your surroundings on the ice. Yeah, your heads up a lot more than yeah. your partner, right? Yeah. And you also know, if you're playing defense, not to give someone a suicide pass. So that's a good... <laughs> forwards like that, too. Yeah. No. yeah. When a rip, because I imagine it would have been around this time, did you start to understand that the NCAA was going to be an option for you based on the body of work that you had as a player at that point? Do you remember a moment where you're like, hey, this could be, this could be something? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because I remember watching the U.S. women when the gold medal the first time women's hockey was introduced in 1998 and so that for me was a sort of light bulb of oh women's hockey exists that's a thing so I was 10 years old at the time and I just didn't really know about women's hockey and so that would have probably sparked this oh, okay so then where do women play 
outside of the Olympics. So I think probably around then I became aware of, aware of, okay, so there's this path that exists. And for women, it's you play, you play for your school teams or your city teams, or you go to prep school or wherever, and then you try to get into university. And most players go NCAA. Some will stay on Canadian tracks. There's a lot of great player women that play um, in the Canadian university system. And from there, your ultimate goal is the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so that was sort of my awareness was 1998 of, okay, women's hockey exists at the Olympics. I want to do that. What's the next thing or the next step? And that's university. And yeah. Like that. um, when we were talking the other day, you had a like pretty interesting point where like you came to this realization that the NHL, like there's, that's the glass ceiling for me. Like, did that come at the same time as learning about the women's Olympic team or were those two different realizations that you kind of had to like find on your own two different points in your life? Yeah, I think there were two different realizations because I remember just after the women won in 98 in the U.S. Sorry for, I know this is probably still a sore spot for Canadian women. <laughs> so it just happened again 20 years later. Um, <laughs> but I wrote, we were learning cursive in school. Yeah. And so you had to write out your dream. And so my dream was to play on the Olympic team. And at the time, I hadn't decided whether I wanted it to be U.S. or Canada because I was a dual citizen. Right. Um, and I said, and I also want to be the first woman to play in the NHL. So, so I think that answers the question of the realization of that's not really a viable option for mm-hmm. women. And I think that probably came around puberty of realizing just you just become like a human being at that point where your brain starts functioning and you realize these things of okay the boys just biologically have this capability that I won't have yeah um so it was a slow learn of okay my path as a female hockey player is much different from any guy who's playing and pursuing yeah I mean ultimately where men want to play in the NHL for women it's you want to play in the Olympics and then you want to get a scholarship and see what else you can do and probably make some sponsorship dollars (laughs) like Marie-Philippe Poulin love her great great athlete great person Um, sorry I loved how like I think it was the most recent Bauer commercial yeah where it was like all these players saying their numbers yeah and it was like Neelander and Lina had 29 but then Poulin had like her own 29 I was like perfect yeah Yeah. by herself it's perfect yeah that's all you need and she said it with authority too yeah yeah now because of your dual citizenship you would have had an opportunity to play for either team i've always wondered what kind of thing would go into a decision like that making that that decision and trying to reconcile like you know do i play for team canada do i play for team um usa was there ever a point in time where you thought that you might have to kind of Decide which would be the way that you'd you'd go if the opera if the opportunity kind of arose. I would have played for either one that would have taken me. <laughs> <laughs> but is that is that the reason I ask is because I remember when I found out that Parise could yeah. have played for Team Canada or played for the U.S. and yeah. he chose to play for the U.S. as a Canadian. And I think like I've said this since the podcast started. I love when Canada loses. I love when Canada wins, but I also love when other stuff happens. Like if Team USA beats Canada, yeah. as a hockey fan, I'm I'm ecstatic. I think that's great because it forces Canada to get better, right? Or even if you look at, you know, things now. I'm a big prospect guy. I love that. It's 
disappointing that Canada isn't doing the same type of work that like Finland and Sweden and Russia are doing with like goaltending prospects. So five or 10 years from now, when Canada's goaltending prospects aren't good, you know, there's something to point at. But I do wonder, like you, you made the comment, you know, you'd, you'd go with whatever team takes you. Um, you know, if all things are being equal, which way do you think that you would have yeah, If both were not going to grow up the same <laughs> offer, what do you well, think? So, so the way women's hockey works is you sort of get filtered into this, like, the organization, the Hockey Canada organization in USA Hockey, and you start getting invited to camps. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, like, the U18, U22, and USA Hockey works the same way. So I had been invited to summer camps, which fed into festivals, which fed into the pool players for U18, U22. So I made it to, like, the initial sort of broad couple hundred player. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all growing up, though, for the point-blank answer of if they knocked on my door now, all growing up it would have been U.S. because that's where I lived, that's where I played, that's what helped me become a hockey player. Yeah, I learned through that system. Right. But now that I've lived here... Um, going on eight years and I've played with and against and trained with and against so many of the Canadian women Mm -hmm. and I see I just have so much respect for them like to be able to be their teammate would be such an incredible thing they're just such an awesome group of people and I know the women on the US team are as well they just you know pioneered to get equal pay last year and they were willing to step aside from the game they love to do it so they're a great group too but I think now it'd be so cool to play for Canada, just seeing how much this country absolutely loves hockey and adores those players, yeah. men and women. It's a great answer. I'm speechless. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. And I will say the U.S. usually has cooler-looking jerseys. That's yeah. a point of contention yeah. for me. I always like the U.S. jerseys. Yeah, yeah they have some nice old-school ones. There's also two colors, which for some reason the Canadian jerseys black is a yeah that's so i was hoping you were gonna say that (laughs) yeah it looks so stupid i hate it yeah it's interesting it's like it's an intimidating color but yeah yeah i don't know it's just not yeah it doesn't it doesn't do it i just love the u.s the uh i don't know if it's from the past world years but the shield yeah yeah one or it's like yeah looks like the rochester americans one (laughs) Just yeah, sort of. But yeah. like, yeah, straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 like hip and cool. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Little different looking. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So I guess just kind of like keeping along with the path of your career, um, as you transitioned over into university hockey, you made the switch from forward to defense. Yeah. Why the switch? Um, that what came about. So I was at University of Maine and, um, mono rick through our team (laughs) so we had we did 6 a.m practices and everyone was just super sleep deprived and you're also sunlight deprived because in maine in the winter it gets dark at like 3 30 4 p.m so your body is just sad and broken down (laughs) and then yeah mono took out a third of our team and so just out of necessity i was moved back to defense yeah and i played a little bit growing up because you sort of just play everything and it was a good fit. Yeah. I felt more comfortable back there. Um, and that's when my dad played too and my brother played too. So I think there was something in my blood that was meant to play yeah. D. Um, and it worked too because I I would feel like I was probably always so far behind the play anyway that just staying back on defense made sense. So yeah. there was that opportunity. Yeah. 
and it just stuck and it was good and you enjoyed it you didn't feel like you were forced there like yeah that, like you were like typecast as a defenseman once you got there like yeah no it was a good fit and um I'd grown up yeah I'd gone to a few USA hockey camps as D and I sort of bounced around but I think you never lose that like we talked about earlier that childhood wanting to be that hero and be that yeah. goal scorer and so I always wanted to be that um and so even as D I think I'd try to go up and cherry pick sometimes to get that goal but <laughs> um D was it was a more natural fit for the yeah. way I played the game it was just a matter of time of me getting back there absolutely playing defense one thing that Carter and I always talk about drives me nuts and you nuts I think as well is the team that we coach because there's no checking which is the way that you more or less learned how to play the game um, as a defenseman is there any pointers that you might be able to give our team for knocking people off of the puck um, aside from physically checking them, like how did that mentality uh, in your in your game change, or were you always brought up to play a particular way because there was no checking? I never stopped checking after I left the boys. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think I always led in penalty minutes, so um, I don't think I ever learned how to adjust to yeah. that checking. Um, but it was a lot more of containing and just being smarter positionally, yeah. so yeah. you don't have to. I don't have to meet you all the way over there and try to body you if you're ultimately trying to come this way. Yeah. So it was just containing a bit more. Yeah. Um, and just always, like, eye on chest was always the easiest yeah. way to do that. But I I'm think sure I've you heard guys Carter say that a million times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, if you're, if you're puck watching, you're, like, left in the dust. Yeah, yeah, every time. But watching women's hockey and, like, just to that point, um, like, and I watched Sidney Crosby play, and we always tell our team, like, if you want an example of how to protect the puck, watch Sidney Crosby. But he plays low, he plays with his, like, hips wide, and he plays almost, like, with his back to the play. But, and then I, when I really started, like, diving into watching women's hockey, that's how they seem to protect the puck. And yeah. the flow of the game is so completely different and mm-hmm. much more fluid than a men's game because they do this. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's like more stick work, but I, I see more stick work for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's as obvious to other people that are watching, but um, when you started playing um, for the Furies, was there anything different about that game that you had to adjust from when you played in college? Yeah, everyone was just stronger and faster. In college, you're playing infrequently against national-level girls. But in the CWHL, that's where all of the Canadian Olympians and some of the U.S. Olympians play Mm -hmm. in the off years. So you're all of a sudden playing against people who... These women who are in the prime of their athleticism and they're as fast and as strong as they'll ever be in their career. Mm -hmm. So it was adjusting a lot more to, yeah, containing more and being more aware of... I don't. I can't chase this person, and I can't beat them to the corner, but I can beat them to the front of the net. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, just making those adjustments of not, yeah, not trying to beat someone at their own game when I know that they're faster, they have fancy stick work, but ultimately, where are they trying to get to? So how can I stop them from doing that? Right. So yeah. was that so that transition from university hockey to the CWHL? Was that when you realized like because I I run into this all the time like. Well, you run into it with teammates, and we run into it as much as coaches. They're trying to be the best at the game rather than the best at their game. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Was yeah. that, like, the shift for you? Like, when was your biggest, like, 
moment of awe. Like, yeah, that's realized. a yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think I still tried my first couple years. There was still this part of me that was like, well, what if I train really hard? Maybe I can be this you know unique story of making it late in the game <laughs> of the national program. Um, so I think it took a couple years. It was probably the year that we won the Clarkson Cup where I really settled into my role. So that was 2014. Um, but I remember there being moments there of we actually didn't have a D coach that year. We just had one coach on the bench. So we sort of ran ourselves. And so there were times where it was a one-goal game in the, in the final or even the game before that that we had to win. And I just didn't go sometimes. Like, yeah. I just let Tessa Benham go. And so I think it was at that point where I was like, I, I'm not going to be the hero. And the best thing I can do right now is be a supportive teammate and, yeah. and do what I can. So I think that's sort of the time that stands out to me of looking back. Yeah. And before that, I just wanted, wanted it to all. keep going. Yeah, I just wanted it all. <laughs> I was going to be a 24-year-old just breaking into the Olympic scene. But yeah. And so you mentioned you just had one coach on the bench. Was that, like, why was there one? Was it underfunding? Was it, like, no interest? Like, what? what's, because if you look at, a, like, a men's hockey bench, they they have, like, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yeah, there's, like, literally <laughs> too many. Yeah. 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 So why why is that the case if there's only one on the bench? Yeah, so being underfunded is a huge one. Of course. Um, and is that still a fight? So I guess yeah. progress into that, but. yeah. So being underfunded then, also um, women's hockey, to, to coach in the CWHL, it's tough because there's still a time commitment. Right. And if you're someone who wants to commit time to coaching, then there's opportunity, better opportunities that are going to progress to other things. Yeah. And there's also, back to the funding, there's more money with opportunities to coach elsewhere. Right. And it's a bit challenging to, it's unique because you're getting players who are now on the downslope of their careers. Yeah. So you, you're getting players who are now working full-time or mm-hmm. they're training full-time for the national team. So this is just the sort of part-time gig. Right. Um, you're getting players who feel like they've learned everything they're going to learn. So there, it comes with its own unique challenges. So a lot of coaches, if they want to coach, going that route isn't necessarily worth it. Um, but the league has done an incredible job of resourcing better because I think the league has gone through many coaches and GMs that now they've sort of realized it's got to start from the top down to yeah. create solid professional organizations. So there is a lot more funding that are, that's going towards that, and it's made a huge difference with yeah. the coaches that have come in in the last couple of years. Do you think well, it's more important to have people like internally kind of promote, like Sammy Joe kind of becoming GM? Yeah. Is since she has such a commitment to the organi- organization already, mm-hmm. becoming the GM is kind of more important because you have someone that cares a lot more. Yeah, that, and that's a great that's a great question. Um, I think it's a balance when you have the right people like that, which Sammy Joe Small is one hundred percent the right person. It's great because they understand the challenges and the nuances and where there's room for improvement. Um, so someone like Sammy, who's just you can't say enough great things about her and what she's done for the game is incredible because just her sort of cloud and name alone will lift it and bring in more funding. Um, But sometimes you can have players who have been around and they become a bit jaded. So having someone around who's like, oh, well, that's just, you know, the way it is, that's just the way it goes, can be a bit of a hindrance. And it's nice to bring people in who have a different perspective or who come from a different business background or hockey background and can say, well, hey, why don't we try it this way? So it is that nice balance that's struck that I think ultimately leads to success. 
Yeah. Do you ever see the league transition? Like you said, a lot of the people that are there are either training or that it's like the end of the line almost. Do you ever yeah. see it? Like the CWHL um, transitioning from like an end of the line organization to a development organization that will like lead into like, do you ever see it like paradigm shifting where it becomes a competitive I, I know it's competitive now, but like a different type of competitive, like they're fighting for a spot higher, not just they're continuing to play hockey. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> I think, yeah, so right now there are still a lot of women who are bubble players or they're, they were in the U22 program. They're trying to make the next step. Yeah. So it is still development in that sense. Have yeah. you have... This is where players who've graduated university who want to play for the national program are going to go. Um, and another, so the big topic right now in women's hockey is trying to get to one league. So that's something that the players have been very vocal about. The NWHL exists in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They formed a few years ago, and we have the CWHL here. And so ultimately, for women's hockey to move forward, they need to do it as a whole. Because there's say, a bit, yeah. Do you ever see them amalgamating or? Yeah, absolutely. And you know they're. There's just been there's been so many talks to try to get that to happen, and they're making slow steps. Yeah. Um, and I think for the caliber to increase, that'll also that'll need to happen. Mm-hmm. And so then you sort of, you know, weed out more or less some of those players that are just sort of there because they can be. Because yeah, all of a sudden those spots don't exist for players like that anymore. Yeah. Do you see it more as like, um, I guess like rivalry between the leagues? Like no one wants to really be the league that folds under the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see any, like, big changes that one league has to make over the other? I know the w, the NWHL, I think, started paying their players more. Like, it was hardly a lot, but, like, they started paying, and then they recently expanded to Minnesota with the Whitecaps, mm-hmm. and they're kind of getting more funded and getting more, like, the Whitecaps partnered with the Wilds. I think the, I think the Devils... The, part, yeah, the, yeah, the, the de- Rivers. Yeah, 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 with the Rivers, and... So do you see, like, I guess just more kind of going in between the two leagues or anything? like? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a bit tough because the leagues are set up differently. Yeah. So, yeah, the NWHL came in right away and said, you need to, play, you need to pay players because they're professionals and you need to treat them as such. And so the CWHL, they just started paying players last season. Um and they're two totally different models, and they ultimately want the same thing of one league, and they both have these great pieces, um, but it's tough because I, I think there's a bit of ego at play too, yeah. and totally. it's a it's a business at the end of the day, so people have stake in it. They don't want to just fold for no reason. They people there's a lot of people who put a lot of effort into both leagues. Um, and it's tough because I think what the leagues are trying to do is get the NHL involved, yeah. sort of with the, the similar as the NBA, WNBA. Yeah. But the NHL isn't going to do anything if there's two leagues. It yeah, doesn't make any sense. Right. So you almost have these sort of, like, there's just so much push and pull going on. Um, the CWHL just recently got a new commissioner with Jaina Hefford, mm-hmm. um, Hall of Famer, which is pretty incredible. And so I think that we'll see a big push with that. Um, She's fresh, and she's been a player in the league, so she knows what it's all about, and she's very smart and very driven. Yeah, very Um, well-spoken as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think with her coming in and taking the reins, I think she's not afraid to, you know, push a little bit harder and and make that happen for there to be one league. 
Uh, a question I had was around the expansion that you're seeing uh, in the NWHL in particular. Um, but it, it, I think for me, I'm kind of torn between this idea of them expanding into new areas and then some of the challenges that they might be facing um, independently as two different leagues. So although I think it was really great that, you know, the leagues decided to go to a, a market like China, for example, do you ever think like you got to kind of focus on what's going on in front of you before you can start expanding that way? Or you know, what, what were your, some, some of your thoughts around that? Yeah, um, I mean, that's tough because if hockey exists in these places and there's an opportunity, you know, why not pursue it? Yeah. China was a unique case. Um, they're putting a lot of funding and resources into their program for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Um, so they actually came to the CWHL with a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of a no brainer for the CWHL. And I think that's how they were able to pay players at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so expanding their, it's a great business decision. It'd yeah. be silly not to do that. And for the NWHL to go to Minnesota, the Whitecaps have existed for a really long time. Yeah. So that was just sort of absorbing this team that already existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably a way for them to, to sort of expand and make it look like their business is continuing to grow. Yeah. Um, but it is tough because I think the, the best example of where it's hard and you might be cannibalizing is you have the NWHL with a Boston team and the CWHL with a Boston Worcester yeah. team. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. But, and, you know, part of that move came because the Boston Blade, the, you know, Worcester Blades, they had all of the Americans mm-hmm. um, from the Olympic team there and now they've moved to the NWHL and so that's created this huge challenge. So I think that's where both leagues are are struggling with where do you push forward and where do you scale back and try to make your product really good and really, really sound. Yeah. I I think for me too, um, and, and I hope I'm not crossing any lines here, but I feel as if there are times where, do you think that there's a, a perception issue or do you think there would be a perception if, issue with a player going from one league to the other if there was a better opportunity? And, of course, better is subjective, of course, yeah. to what that looks like. But but do you think that that's um, – I mean, certainly it's something that someone's at least thought of, but do you think that there's a perception issue there at all? Um, it's happened a few times. And at the end of the day, players know that – there's a lot more to life than just hockey, so most of the, of the decisions that have been made to switch have been... Like, you can't blame anyone for taking a better opportunity. Yeah. Um, and Bellamy, Casey Bellamy and Decker from the U.S. team just moved to Calgary to play... They were in the NWHL going yeah, back... they playing for the Inferno. Back right? to the CWHL, but to play for the Inferno. Yeah. And, I mean, the women's hockey community, as much as it seems like there's a bit of you know, headbutting between the NWHL and CWHL, it is still a tight-knit community Mm -hmm. that at the end of the day, every single person involved wants women's hockey to be better Mm -hmm. and wants there to be the most opportunities. So I don't think there's really... Players understand, you know, there's there's lives and there's decisions that go into it. So I don't think anyone would would hold that against anyone for making that decision. Did you get any of the the big uh, reveal, I guess, with Hillary Knight going to the Canadiens or... Then now that Hillary Knight and Poulain's going to be playing on the same team, so that's kind of Yeah, so exciting. Knight went back for playoffs. She right. joined Montreal for playoffs last year after the Olympics, um, which is always a big question mark every 
Olympic year of which players are going to come back to their teams and which aren't. And, you know, I heard that Poulin had said she wasn't going to go back because there were players that were there all season and who was she to come back and take their spot? Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm sure every single person in that locker room said, please do. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> you can yeah. be a nice person. Yeah. 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 Um, so then it was interesting to then all of a sudden see American superstar Hillary Knight go into that spot yeah. instead. Um, but wow. Like the, they're just such incredible players. Um, it's going to be a really fun season to have Knight and Poulin, and they're such different people and personalities and players too. So to see them in one lineup is going to be like it's going to be incredible. It's going to be such a treat. Um, but then you have Calgary; they're getting their Olympians back. They're getting Decker, um, who's one of the best forwards in the world. Bellamy, who's one of the best D in yeah. the world, um, and Thunder coming off their Clarkson Cup win. So it's still going to be incredibly exciting. But yeah, the whole reveal with Knight—it's very um she she has a strong brand she <laughs> yeah um she has a bit of that celeb status around her so it's good for her to put that to use yeah yes, that's awesome yeah. so when you think about all of these accolades and all of these things that you've done um we had it written down what was your proudest moment and yeah. for me all i could think of was Clarkson. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. But if yeah. you think about it, though, like you, you've played over a decade of women's professional hockey, mm-hmm. and that that's that's a, like a really big accomplishment, like in itself, because a lot of people like either reach it late or they don't realize that the opportunity's there. So you had a long-standing like run, like you had a, a big career, like and started me to put you on the spot. <laughs> but that I guess that's where I was coming from in. My saying proudest moment of all. I wasn't. I wasn't critiquing you. <laughs> I, just, I had to explain myself because you had a long run. You had a lot of time to achieve different accolades, right? So, sorry. Continue, Chris. <laughs> no, there's nothing. Now I feel bad because it wasn't meant to be like that. But I think for me, you know, you see people reach like the absolute greatest level of, of their profession, and I think it's easy for an outsider to assume, oh, well, that must be you know the thing that they're the the most proud of but I wonder because of everything that we've talked about so far would we be right in saying that it was the Clarkson Cup victory Uh, or what were some other things that uh, that you hold that high yeah well it's funny because I think and we naturally do this as human beings but I've often looked at my career and thought well that's nothing special because I spent so much of it surrounded by Olympians and gold medalists and the best players in the entire world. So I always, and we naturally compare ourselves to others. So I spent so long thinking, wow, my career was a bust. And now I'm starting to gain in retrospect of, you know, how fortunate I was to be able to have the hockey career that I did and get to go the places I did and play with the players that I did. And I think winning the Clarkson Cup was a pretty special thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And special for a few reasons. We weren't the best team. And but we put all of everyone played their role, mm-hmm. and so I think that's something really special when you get that out of players. Vegas Golden Knights would have been a great example of you know they weren't on paper obviously they they shouldn't have been the best team. But, I didn't pay her to say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they, when everyone sort of plays their role, it's incredible what the team can do. So I was very proud to be a part of that team. Um, but I think too after we won. Um, we went to Real Sports to party 
and my dad came for that, and so he'd been at the game, and he left because he was supposed to go, you know, drive somewhere else for another game, and he came back, and I got to share that with him. Yeah. And that was such an incredible feeling of, um, my, you know, my dad gave me this love for the game, and he was a coach for me growing up, and then to be able to celebrate this moment of accomplishment with him, and me knowing too that that was going to be the last sort of big thing I did with my hockey career at that point. Right. Um, so that was really special and something that I'll definitely cherish of getting to celebrate the Clarkson Cup with him. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. I uh, yeah, wow, that's yeah, that's that huge. must be <laughs> like even just saying it like it, it's so powerful, right? Yeah. Um, I can't relate. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> He's never won a Clarkson. <laughs> yeah. Well, not even that, but like what that must feel like to be able to, to celebrate that with, with your friends and family. It's such a great accomplishment. Now, what does your involvement look like now? I know you've done some work with, um, with the Furies. What does that look like now that you uh, maybe aren't playing as, as much as you used to? <laughs> yeah. So I, when I retired, I decided to go into coaching um, with the Furies to fill that void of, I mentioned, you know, we didn't have a D coach and I just thought that's such a shame. Yeah. <laughs> these are, you know, these are professional athletes and to not have a coach. And I never wanted any player to be in the position that I was in to feel like, Oh, their top line is going out there. Should I sit this one out? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I wanted to alleviate that from anyone else ever having to make that decision for themselves. Um, so I decided to get into coaching so I coached on the defensive side of things for two years. Mm-hmm. And then last year I took off of hockey just to sort of step away. Yeah. Um, and now I'm going to play um, just senior women's, say, beer, beer, beer really? hockey. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, welcome. This year, yeah. I've been beer league for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's so tough to go back. I tried to play a couple games last year, and it's just – so devastating because you your body or at least your mind thinks oh we should do this thing or move this way and then physically your body can't do those right, things anymore right. yeah. <laughs> you know you're not you're training anymore yeah, you're not training anymore you're not on the ice um, so it was like super heartbreaking so I needed to take a step away and now go back with a sort of yeah. fresh appreciation for just being on the ice and yeah. playing but in a totally different way now, out of curiosity, is the lifestyle, this is actually a question that I was thinking about asking earlier, but I think it fits in right right now, lifestyle from um, men's hockey to women's hockey, uh, and I don't necessarily mean um, like on the ice as much as I do off the ice, so when you say uh, beer league, mm-hmm. in my head I think of like what beer league is for men's hockey, because that's what I've been exposed to. From what you know, is the lifestyle, the, the the locker room stuff, all of that nonsense, is that similar on the other side of the coin? It is similar. The biggest difference is some of the women have to go home to, like, breastfeed and stuff after. Right, which, yeah, well, that's... So that's, they don't yeah. get to drink as much of the beer. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think hockey culture in general, I've found that over the years a lot of guys are surprised to know that women are very candid and gross for lack of a better word with each other as well yeah um locker room talk right locker room talk yeah (laughs) um yeah so there is still a very similar culture the biggest difference I think I always found growing up is that 
the women oftentimes had, and that isn't the same now that we're all adults, but growing up women were a bit more serious or focused because mm-hmm. there was always a life outside of hockey. Right. Because um, like you said, there was no NHL for women at the end of the day, so you knew you were going to have to work to get into university or you you have a job while you're mm-hmm. playing professional hockey. So there was a bit more seriousness to it mm-hmm. that, you know, with guys, there's juniors and there's all these other steps where you're just still one of the guys trying to get to the next level. Right. Well, hanging out with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a good point that you bring up, though, because, you know, be, like Carter said it really great earlier, you know, the glass ceiling that's there, right? I know even growing up, like Carter and I have been really good friends since high school. Carter was a little bit of like a hockey guy uh, in high school. Yeah, you could see it. Um, does uh, that to our listeners, you can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at him. But, but what I would say, like, was that like the culture of, you know, like for guys, is, you know, one of the guys in the locker room, did that exist when you were younger? And do you think that that's different now with such great programs that are available now? Do you think the mindset has changed at all? So do you mean like what? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 let me, I, that was a lot of words, I'll ask the question again, is do you think now that there's all of these great opportunities that are made available to women hockey players that the attitude that they may have going into it would be different, or do you think it's still as serious as it was when you played? Like, do you think yeah, the, no, yeah, yeah. the opportunity has changed the severity? It's like, definitely changed, Yeah, because girls can play at a different level. Like, there's, you know, house league and stuff now for girls. And right. that wasn't a thing. Like you said, yeah, you had to be serious because it was an effort to play it as a girl growing up. But now they are sort of afforded the same opportunity of playing mm-hmm. just to play or your parents put you into it, see if you like it. Yeah. Or you'll play until you find something else you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there is that element, which I learned. I, I've done some coaching and some skills coaching, and so it's been interesting to see that the evolution of girls hockey and now where it's gotten to and the casual attitudes that are there as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even the, the the women's team that we have at the school that Carter and I coach for, they're, they're very good. Yeah. They are exceptional. Some of the players, we did like an inter-squad game. My team won the champion. It's not a huge <laughs> deal, obviously. <laughs> uh, Carter's team lost like nine to Would nothing. Would that be the proudest <laughs> moment of your career? Honestly, yeah. Definitely <laughs> in my coaching career. Because our record last year was bad. But... Um, yeah, I mean, that, uh, like, even seeing some of, of the women that were on that team play at that level was awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, you know. They're more receptive to coaching. Like, it was weird. The, the guys that we coached this year, they fought to be coached all year. Mm-hmm. But the women in one game, you, you saw a progression from the start of the game to the end of the game. Yeah, I hear that. I've never actually coached guys. Like, I've coached a camp. Um with just like spoiled little boys one time that were like seven <laughs> years old but if it was girls it was going to be also a disaster yeah. but I've heard that women are more coachable yeah um, I think it's it's um, I don't know I, I don't know if I could put my finger on it what was what was different I think I think they, they were just more receptive like they had questions there was an open dialogue they're constantly smart. they, they ask more questions it's true yeah. They 100% do. But I can't. That's make, always a good thing. They don't make the same mistake twice. Even yeah. when they're playing against men, like, it was, like, 
there that were bigger than them and could have muscle them like and I'd tell them hey listen like in the corner there like try doing this you might get out of that situation next time and they would literally do it like, yeah I think one thing that I noticed is that the, f- the feedback between player to player was very different mm-hmm. um, with guys a lot of chirping on the bench we fuck yous and we've yeah. had a we've had a lot of like, some of the guys like hate Carter and I and I love it because yeah. they'll turn around and tell us to fuck off and like I yeah. more please more I love it <laughs> um, but when we when we had that and really that's been my only exposure at that level personally um a lot more positive feedback a lot more constructive feedback between the teammates that you know sat beside each other on the bench the the deep hair that we had on my team they were awesome so good uh you know being able to critique each other's game but provide constructive feedback as to not make that same mistake twice which that was really refreshing because we don't really see that. Usually it's like, you should have had your guy there. You know what I mean? And it, the dialogue's very different. Um, like Craig, all the guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah. <for you. laughs> I'm not even going to go there. But uh, what was some of the, like, the bench talk when, when you were playing with the Furies? Does, does, is, is that consistent from what I've seen? Or is there still a little bit of harsh words here and there for one another? <laughs> yeah, there's still harsh words. I think the, like, an intense athlete is an intense athlete. Yeah. And so you'll still find, but I think it's great, like, when players just sort of get that out there and, you know, fuck you or you weren't where you're supposed to be or where yeah. the fuck are you going. Yeah. It's great because it's done. You've communicated it. Yeah. You've got your. You've said what you need to say. Sure. Yeah. Kessel and Malkin are still probably. Arguing oh. The <laughs> yeah. I think I gotta find a way to like synthesize yeah. that feeling and just put it right into my veins. <laughs> I love it because like what's like really Phil? Come on. How much would you pay a month to just have a camera like permanently on Phil oh, and um, just like to see the things he says in the bed? To himself. Salary. Yeah. 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 Like. I, I just want them to make like that referee came and Mike just like yeah. have a different live feed yeah just I'd pay like a hundred bucks a month just like give me that feed always as an alternative thing yeah like, <laughs> and you can and then for like an additional you can check on in on him for like an hour of his real life while just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like petting his dog just cut him like, off at the 90th hot dog play Call of Duty with Tyler Bozak yeah, yeah. yeah. still <laughs> still He's like calling Tyler Bozak. He's like, I've been waiting for you online. Bozak's like, I've got two kids now, Phil. Like, I don't know. My different time zone. We got a We haven't played together in years. When you moved to Toronto, um, did you become a Maple Leaf fan? I rooted for the city. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. and I inherited the Raptors too because um, the Pistons were really good. And oh yeah, in the nineties they were really good. Yeah. yeah. They, they won 2006, maybe? Like, they won... Oh, four. Oh, yeah. That's, like, a, that's yeah. a you and Thomas conversation. Yeah. Basketball, I go, like, uh, what is the ghost? No idea. Yeah. When they had, like, oh, so Ben Wallace. Yeah, Ben Wallace yeah. is fucking... Prince, yeah. Hamilton. Yeah, they were really good, too. So I inherited the Raptors and the Leafs and the Jays, the Tigers, were a good team, too. Yeah. But then I just started... It's just so fun and vibrant in the city when the teams are doing well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I inherited It's, like, that. perfect just balance. Like, you were in Detroit when all the teams were really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And now in Toronto where they're okay, yeah. but it's still pretty good. You're a little torn now because... So your dad... Is it public knowledge? Where yeah, your dad's yeah, side? So your dad's side to the Islanders is a scout. Yeah. So your family's now an Islanders fan. 
because they have to. Yeah. And is this new? Like a new development? Yeah. So I didn't know this. So Sorry, I completely. So we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk now about Bob Hoffmeyer. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the listeners by now have Googled Lexi Hoffmeyer and found out that your dad is Bob Hoffmeyer. Yeah. Um, this episode isn't about him. Um, if you want to just tell us really quickly about Bob, what he did and where he was and then what brought him to the Islanders and then we'll maybe tie back to where that conflict might be yeah. where Tavares has moved and your dad's there now. Like, I have a couple of like Lou Amarillo questions too. <laughs> I will I'll, like keep those at bay a little bit. As best as I can. <laughs> yeah, so my dad, he played in the NHL. Um, so he played with Chicago where he was drafted, Philadelphia, New Jersey. And he retired with the Devils. And then in between there, he sort of bounced around minorly. He went to Europe at one point and came back. Bit of a suitcase. Um, but then he retired with the Devils, and he was an assistant coach there for a couple seasons. So he coached Shanny, good old Brendan Shanahan, in his rookie season. Never heard of him. <laughs> don't know who that is. <laughs> um, and so then he decided to see where coaching took him for a couple years and then decided scouting was better suited for him. So he came back to the Devils, and he was a scout with them for over 20 years. Um, total, how many years did he, was, it, was he in the Devils organization? 32 years with the Devils organization, oh my, yeah. That is a very like, long time. There's one person, at, well, if he goes back from when he played there as a player, there's no one in the entire organization that's been there longer than him. Wow. But since he started working for them, is like this the secretary is like the only person who's been there yeah. longer than him. Marie, she's great. Shout out. But yeah, and then uh, Ray Shiro took over, yeah. and you know he brought in a lot of his guys that he's found a lot of success with. Um, Lou resurfaced with the Islanders. Um, and I know my dad has a good relationship with Chris as well, Lou Sen, and yeah, there was just an opportunity there, and so he's going to finish his career, the Islanders. But yeah. And, and it, so, who are you allowed to be a fan of, the Leafs or the Islanders, given the big two bears? Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough time to be an Islanders fan. <laughs> to lose a player like Tavares for nothing, you know? Like, you have this yeah. franchise player, and then he's just gone. Yeah, Which yeah. The, the Devils had a bit of that with when Parisi yeah, left for nothing, and yeah. David Carson signed his billion dollar contract in Toronto revisionist history you guys could have kept um, okay. it's all good Parisi, Carson and Kovalchuk had all left yeah Kovi time. too so you yeah. add, add all of those guys up yeah it might you still don't get to it I also have like Komarov Valtteri Filpula Matt Martin Matt Martin yeah I don't know how these all like help but they they kind of look like to me it's 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 confusing Uncle Leo is a good guy Uh, have you met him before no, just look at it. You got beauty. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who I was just hoping that there was, like, an interaction. <laughs> like, at one story. point, you met him somewhere. Well, I'll be back on after this season, and I'm sure you'll run into him. <laughs> yeah. But I've heard that, like, he people have tried to interview him, and then he's just like, I don't speak English. And then he just won't Love do it. his interviews. I've heard, like, obviously none of the stories come from me, but secondhand, there's so many, like, hilarious loose stories. And I think... As a hockey fan, when he decides to, at some point, not be involved in hockey, I don't ever see that happening. But when the time comes, 
I think there's like a, a like character traits that we're gonna miss about somebody like Lou who could just make these things happen like find these loopholes in like the CBA and, and all of these like brilliant things and like yes there's there's been some moves that I'm sure people aren't as as happy with as far as contract signings and things like that but a personality like that I know personally I will I'll be devastated when he steps away from hockey and I remember when you know it was out there that he might come to Toronto as the GM after some of that you know tumultuous period of time for the Leafs but it was just so cool to know that somebody of his stature was around now if you think about when you were you know a Devils fan you're wearing a Devils shirt right now was there something about some of the history that kind of kept you a Devils fan, even when there were some lighter years? So, I mean, they were so good, though. Like, they, yeah, the three yeah, Stanley Cups, they won. Yeah. I think they were such a sound team. Um, we had some good stories, of, like, just yeah. about the Devils, like, growing up. Yeah. Like, maybe you can touch on those a bit. Yeah. And then... Like, kind of build up to today. Yeah. Lou's a hockey genius, though. Yeah. Like, the guy is... He's such a genius, and he's always so even-keeled. Anytime you see him in the press box, he just... Yeah. I, yeah, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, but yeah, the Devils were just so good, and he was able, and his staff was able to form... Like, if you look at when they won in 95, and then 2000 2003, the teams were all entirely different teams with yeah. entirely different players. Like, well, you played against big... Te- like, you played against Anaheim. Like, yeah. When all of Anaheim... Like all their big guns were still there. Like you had yeah. three of there who lost, mm-hmm. which was like insane. Then you beat the the Red Wings, which were insane in '95. Scott Stevens, yeah, yeah Scott Stevens, Stevens like killing people. Like Stevens, Stevens, yeah, like unreal. Um, but yeah, so it was so cool. Like it, it oh three when they had Lang, like he brought in Langenbrunner, yeah, and, Lang and that was such a bold move. And, yeah, I mean they brought home a cup, but. Yeah. But yeah, he was even doing stuff, you know, like getting Corey Schneider. Like yeah. that was a pretty like ballsy move when yeah. when it happened because they needed a number one goaltender yeah. and there was a few of them as yeah, it were sitting in Vancouver. And Corey Schneider who's under there. <laughs> yeah, different, different. That's Corey Schneider. <laughs> a different pronunciation. Um, now, as a fan of like, do you think that you you have to like a little bit of you has to root for the Islanders given the family connection? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, Barzal is really fun to watch. Yeah, like, he's such a skilled player. I remember watching him in the World Juniors and thinking, "Wow, he's so crafty!" But there's no way he's going to be able to bring that to the show, and he just did. Yeah, and he just you know treats these. He went from playing these boys. Yeah. To men and he just still walks right around and like they're he's very shifty yeah very shifty uh it'll be interesting to see how he like he's an elite athlete but having you know Tavares there as this leader to sort of show him how it was done Mm. how he'll respond to that because now he's the guy yeah um so that'll be interesting to see how he develops well I feel like the Islanders at least a few of them must have a chip on their shoulder, right? Yeah. They've got something to prove. Tavares walked, but they had an incredible draft. Yeah. Your dad wasn't a part of the scouting staff this most recent draft, though, right? No, he wasn't. Yeah. Um, 
but they have a lot of young players like, that are really so next good. year we can play yeah, right, yeah. Year, <laughs> no but like if you look at the Islanders future they've got you know they, they, they got Noah Dobson he's going to be a pretty good player for them but there's always that in between period that mm-hmm. it's like the Oilers curse where they didn't have that like Kadri layover like if we're talking about the Leafs as like the prime gold example then mm-hmm. yeah. they didn't who the Islanders have like Barzell maybe but I, I think losing DeHaan is like going to be a huge thing for them because they all suddenly who do they have on, on defense like Boychuk and yeah. uh, Ross Johnston Ross Johnston for four years have you seen this guy he's about the size of that door he's the <laughs> tallest person I've ever seen <laughs> absolutely and, and about as yeah, that's true. about as fast as that door too <laughs> <laughs> What uh, what keeps you interested in hockey now that you're not playing? Like, your fandom has always been there, but is there anything in particular that keeps you coming back? Yeah, I think it's just... It's such an intangible thing of once you fall in love with this game, you can't... You can't shake it. You're married um, to it. Till death do your part. Yeah. There's just so many parts of it... Um, like, I still get excited when I go to a hockey rink and you just smell this weird, damp old, like, probably chemical spill from the Zamboni mixed <laughs> with, like, barn. But, yeah, it's, it's such a unique sport. It's such an incredible sport. Um, the team dynamics are so interesting um, to rely on so many people and it's such a fast pace. So the friendships you make, the memories you make, and just, like, yeah, the, the, the feeling from it. Yeah. You just can't can't shake that. Something you can't grab onto. Yeah, it's so intangible. I love it. I mean, Is, go ahead, Carter. So, this year. Oh, wait, you want me to tell a story from 95? Yeah, you gotta, okay. actually, let's, let's tell the story from 95. Then we'll so, we were talking about, you know, years of being a Devils fan. Yes. Um, so, I was there in 95 when they won. Um, Crazy. Seven years old. There was an after party. Uh, all the little kids went to bed. I said, absolutely not. I'm staying and partying. And I danced with a very drunk Consmite winner, Claude Lemieux. Love <laughs> So he's just holding up little seven-year-old me wearing my red and green jersey, oh, which uh, is coming back coming this year. Back yeah. this year. So nice. Um, Love that. It wasn't a throwback then. It was just a jersey. <laughs> That's what they wore. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I danced with Claude Lemieux. And there's a picture of Scott Stevens is holding me at one point. Yeah. And looks like he's holding a bear can. He, like, <laughs> he just has these bear hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like they're just massive, and I'm just this dainty seven year old. Like his hands are basically touching me. He's just like squeezing my shoulders. <laughs> uh, but I'm just so excited to be there. And yeah. I had a homemade bedazzled New Jersey Devils hat, like baseball cap. <laughs> I was just so excited. So, yeah, that would be a highlight, I think, uh, looking back on Devils days. Yeah. So, I still will always have a soft spot for them, of course. Yeah, and that's that's fair. I think uh, some of the best part about hockey fandom is just, like, the weird things that you liked when you were a kid. And yeah. you didn't know, like, we talked about this early in the early days of the podcast. I was, like, a diehard Panthers fan when I was yeah. a kid. 
because I loved Van Beesbrook yeah. and I loved their jersey and that's what got me into following that team in particular like yeah. I loved that right you just have a weird obsession with throwing rats on the ice now yeah but, but like there's it's like just hearing you talk about you know that experience it reminds me of like being in my living room and like watching the opposing goaltender hiding in their net because the rats were being thrown <laughs> all over the ice yeah. right and as a kid you're like seven or eight years old and you're like oh fuck yeah this is awesome yeah. I didn't swear. <laughs> I didn't swear when I was Heck a kid. Yeah. I was like, yeah, right on. Having a dart, just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know me. Dart guy got hired. Oh, no. No. We can't talk about it. We can't because Thomas, Thomas will say some things that's going to get him in trouble. I don't know if we can talk about it. And then you'll have dart guy yeah. on as a guest. and then. Oh, no, never. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. No, I don't know. Maybe. No, hell the I You know what? We, Thomas is one day here. <laughs> yeah. He's not the intern That's anymore. Yeah, He's yeah. putting his foot down. Absolutely yeah. not. I'm the producer too. I'll tell him it's like the different location. Yeah. When you think of this upcoming season, are there some teams that you're excited about what they did in the off season? You're excited to see them step onto the ice? So, like, so we did a hockey pool this year and you picked the Preds to go all the way. I did pick the Preds to go all the way. Yeah, this, year, sorry, this coming year? This, this past, past year. year. Oh, this past so, season. Oh, I might bad. pick them again this year, too. Not a bad guess, though, so, to be honest. Yeah. They, they picked up Ryan Ellis and they signed, well, not picked him up, sorry, they extended yeah. him. Um, and then... Hefty um, price tag, I think, came with... 6.25, I think, yeah. yeah. And so, like... I don't know, there's just so many things that have, like, Nashville's been such, like, a fluid organization over the past couple of years. Um, like, I guess for Chris, like, what gets you excited? But, like, is Nashville the thing, or have you moved on? Is, are there bigger, better things? Yeah. Um, like, yeah. are you staying with Nashville, or are you, like, completely moving away? I've liked the Predators for a while, because um, I felt like when they came into the league, they decided to take a very defense first approach and that's how they sort of built their organization and so I respected that a lot and then they just found success like Mm -hmm. for such a young team they've been very successful in terms of making the playoffs Um, I love Barry Trotz as a coach too Mm -hmm. and so they had him you know behind the bench for a while but then they had their weird like Kostitsin years awkward like teenage years of yeah like the Kostitsin um yeah, so I like like they came out when they had Suter and Weber, and yeah. then I was I was bummed about Weber, but you yeah. can't argue that having well, PK Subban. I, I was bummed. There's one, there's like one person in this entire city or continent that may disagree with you, Carter. Yeah, obviously, gross. Um, Only Abs fan. Yeah, I like right now. Yeah, <laughs> they have Subban and USC and Ellis, and like they've just always try to maintain this solid defensive core. Yeah. And it's allowed them such success. I was going to say it shows with how far they go. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I love how excited their city gets. Like, Smashville just lights up. And <laughs> um, they brought this sort of swagger entertainment aspect to hockey before Vegas came in and just blew everything up. Yeah. Um, but they're just a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I like the Predators. They're a good team. I feel like the Preds, and now they mentioned Vegas, are the two... The only two teams off the top of my head that really embraced their city kind of culture. Yeah. Like, Nashville kind of embraced their whole, like, rock and roll country, yeah. like, whole thing with the music notes and the guitar strings on their yeah. jerseys and everything. And then Vegas, obviously, like, doing that whole pregame, we're like, we're Vegas kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was at the draft when it was there and 
2001, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm. I got kicked out of my first bar. I was, like, 13 years old. <laughs> I love all the good stories are coming in. <laughs> this is awesome. But I think um, St. Louis made some good moves this offseason. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Like Ryan O'Reilly. They gave up a lot for him, but they, their core player, they need to make moves now mm-hmm. sooner than later. So to wait for some of those guys and prospects. Kind of well, and I think... It, they're smart because they're making the moves yeah. that are necessary to get them to where they need yeah. to be. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, getting rid of, you know, some contracts that didn't look so good, yeah. you know, moving away from, you know, Sabatka and Berglund and Tage Thompson, I think is a fine prospect, yeah. but like yeah. Ryan O'Reilly, come on. Yeah. Like, and they brought in Bozak and Perron. Perron. Perron back for like the hundredth time. So, yeah. But just to have this sort of veteran, this these guys that have been there, they've been through it. Yeah. Pat Maroon. Like, you know, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll bring the this sort of workhorse and, yeah, hometown excitement. And so to have those guys in there as you have um, Tarasenko entering, like, his prime and just, I think St. Louis is going to have... I mean, they need to have a good season. They've just been stuck right there yeah, for yeah. so many years mm-hmm. that... When you hope they're goaltending, we'll find a way to work Yeah, out. yeah. I mean, Jake Allen, he's got the parts. We'll see. And they brought in Chad Johnson. Yeah, that's right. So hopefully they can make something there. Yeah. They're fun too. St. Louis is a fun city too to watch. They appreciate their guys in sort of a rougher style of hockey there. Yeah, I, f- I feel like the goaltending musical chairs that we've yeah. seen this off season has been kind of weird. Yeah. I don't mind Carter Hutton. I don't know if he's a starting <laughs> goaltender, you know, the other the other way. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, those are those are some moves that I'm definitely excited about. Uh, guys, I got to be honest. Other than talking about current stuff, I don't know if I have any more questions for you at all, Lexi. We have some Twitter questions. Oh. Oh, intern oh, Thomas. Yeah. Now that you're running the account, like, <laughs> fucking, that's good. Okay, so from Case at Case on the Go on Twitter, what is some go-to music while traveling? So on the bus before, so like in your playing days or present day? Wow, that's a good question. I feel like it's... I'm hating this. I'm so excited for the answer. <laughs> like EDM music is such an easy route because it just gets your heart pumping. Sure, yeah. Um, I love some good like 70s rock. Um, Go on. <laughs> I, I love getting a let out with some Led Zeppelin. Oh. Also. <laughs> love that. Yeah, any sort of like big heavy drum solo. Yeah, I feel like that's the answer. That's a tough question. It wasn't in the stuff I was given before. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's good. Thomas is coming with heat. <laughs> I listened to Hosers to get really pumped up before. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, are you into podcasts at all? I am. Yeah. I'm very into true crime podcasts. Oh, wow. oh, now you're speaking my language. Yeah. That's like my other than hockey podcast. Yeah. What's one that you've been listening to? Um, so right now I'm in In the Dark, I think. In the Dark. Two. Okay. Um, I just polished off Dirty John, which was very good. My favorite of last year by far. It was so good because I didn't know why I was listening for so long. Yes. 
and they did a really good job of giving you just enough to keep listening yeah. to find out. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, like, Serial kicked it off. Of course. So I yeah, everyone yeah. was in Serial, and I was like, oh, these are interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it's funny. For a podcast, you don't really talk about other podcasts. This other is the than, first time we've talked about Yeah, probably. The, but, no, I agree with you. Like, uh, True Crime, like, there's so many like good things that are on there. One I've been listening to is called uh, Canada True Crime or Canadian True Crime. Uh, it's this woman from Australia, mm-hmm. which her accent with the podcast, it just like sounds so good the yeah. way that it comes together. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Dirty John, I listened to uh, at my cottage when I was there by myself and I listened to it the <laughs> entire time, but I couldn't turn it off. Yeah. Like it was, it was like very like gripping, like it was yeah. a good story. Are you guys into that stuff or is it just yeah, Lexi well, and I? I love Sword and Scale. Like I haven't. Yeah. Well, that one's very dark. Yeah. I can't listen to that one Honestly, like by myself. I've been listening to that one and then um, I, I'm a big country music nerd. Not new country, but like old like Stanley Brothers, like Rootsie and Americana stuff so I've been listening to Cocaine and Rhinestones which is like the history or like revisionist history of country music okay um, but there's a lot of true crime in that because just the nature of country music like growing up so it's been kind of a cool blending of like my interests yeah um, I did not know that about you we're all learning yeah. something new uh, what about you Thomas uh, no but I do listen to this parody of a true crime podcast oh. called This Sounds Serious out of Vancouver it's pretty funny I don't know it's just like it's it's like a mockumentary, but podcast. I think Danny's tried to get us to listen to that one. That's yeah, Danny's our our friend Danny who's been on the show before. He's tried to get us into some weird, some weird shit. <laughs> some of it I like will not even entertain. Professional hockey player Daniel Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, maybe we got a position. Like I know we've tried other like bits on the podcast. Like we do a little ASMR once in a while. Maybe oh. we could. <laughs> I'll never. I are, do you know about ASMR videos? Yeah, are you into this or not at all? I'm not into it. Yeah, I would be my clear the render. Was that another Twitter? No, no, no. It's just we've been joking about this ASMR thing for like several episodes because we don't really get it, and I'm not like being a dick I, I just I don't yeah. get it personally like some of the stuff and recently on Instagram I meant to tell you guys this but it's funnier to tell you in person I was watching a lot of them on Instagram so now my explore page <laughs> is just like this woman like eating it chicken pickles? fingers and I'm like that keeps coming up yeah. my that's my favorite one oh. have you watched it? well I mean yeah I've watched it <laughs> everyone's watched it that's a good yeah, she just chews into it and says that's a good pickle in it. Every time it makes me do it, I don't like it. Not a fan. Next okay. question. Next question. Well, before we move okay. off the music, we should let our guest pick the intro song. Oh, 100%. What's going to be the intro song to this week's episode? Oh, man. Or do you want to we think about it? We can let you think. Okay. I think we've had Zeppelin before. Yeah. But I know you like EDM, so I'm not opposed to like. I don't like EDM. It's good. Just get the heart. But what's your go to song, though? If you had to pick one, like, are we, we you can table our yeah, we'll sandstorm? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that one gets me fired up. A bit. <laughs> That's the one. Love that one. Big tune. I actually heard someone, like, I was on the streetcar the other day, 
and this guy pulled up at a stoplight, and he was listening to that seriously in his car, just like car. just just in his like commute home from work. It was very yeah. casual. His I car covered him. in monster energy. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. just this middle aged businessman just going through something. I love it. He's on the phone with his wife. He's like, Janet, I'm gonna be another six minutes <laughs> just crushing sandstar it's a long That's, like the extended yeah. version is like eight minutes long <laughs> anyway sorry okay guys, i had to make it. <laughs> so next question uh it's from ej at emily joe michelle what is your favorite building that you have played in oh that is a good question i think my favorite building i've played in was in Lake Placid and getting to play in the arena where the 1980 game happened. So that was so surreal. It was a USA hockey camp. Oh, wow. Um, See, I've got to skate there as well. Yeah. That was just like our team rented ice when we were traveling. And I, it didn't feel special to me. Like yeah. It, yeah. The difference is, is that Lexi was invited to the <laughs> oh, You were not. <laughs> we, just, we just happened to be there. But I mean, like, like that game was huge. Yeah. Or, sorry, that whole Olympics was huge in Lake Placid. Yeah. And one of my dreams was to actually like skate on that ice. And when I got there, it like wasn't, it wasn't special. Like, and probably means more to an American though, would you say? Oh, I think it was also like I was invited there through a USA Hockey like select camp. So you're wearing the USA Hockey crest and it was, you know, it was 15 years old. So I still had, you know, what I thought was my whole career ahead of me. So I thought it was the start of this really cool journey. And I, I felt the connection, yeah, being an American, I think. It was pretty neat. And just to be in the city and I think I watched Miracle like a million times just <laughs> on repeat leading up to it. Yeah, it was pretty neat. I bet. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, <laughs> that, oh, no, it's just two questions. Oh, those are good. I didn't mean to take away from it at all. I just remembered, like, because mm-hmm. so my dad grew up and he played with Irizioni. He played with all yeah. of those guys when he played in his university days, um, and like that's all my dad really spoke about was playing, like these northern, like these like eastern northern states, like upstate New York, like yeah. arenas. Like, the Potsdam was huge, and that one was huge. And I remember, like, that's the one I latched onto as a kid. Like, I can't wait to play there. Yeah. And I think they've done, like, some work on it. Mm-hmm. So you didn't feel like you are really playing in an old barn. Yeah. So I think that probably took away, because you wanted to feel like you're playing in this old-ass, preserved Yeah. Barn. Would have been cool if they just left it yeah. to a degree. I, I've never been there. I was never invited to skate there so I wouldn't know I do have a question for you not a listener question um, obviously as hockey becomes more and more of a prominent sport of course it will never be you know quite the level as like soccer or football or basketball um, when analytics come into it a little bit uh, are, are you interested in that as a professional hockey player do you think the players care about it or do you think it's just, you know, fodder that, you know, other people are, are interested in, but maybe the players aren't as invested or care as much? Yeah, I think it's it's a really important piece that's coming up. Yeah. And so I think the new wave of players, it'll be something that they're aware of and paying attention to. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we grew up, all we had was plus minus and your points. Right. And you certainly paid attention to those. So I think 
it won't be any different. Now there's just more numbers to be aware of. Mm -hmm. So I don't think sort of the current generation, that's something that's on their mind, but you'll definitely see it more and more of guys and girls having an understanding of it and paying more attention to those things. But it's an interesting... I mean, stats are such an interesting thing because you need this balance, qualitative and quantitative. Yeah, of course. Um, And I'm so curious to know what that perfect balance is. Mm Like, I'm really curious with Vegas if they put an emphasis when they put their team together on the analytics side of things, or was it more gut feeling of this guy will be a good locker room guy? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I think, and I often think about them as an example of which way did they do it. Yeah. Um, But it is a really important piece. It's, It's one big piece to this puzzle of how you put a good team together. Yeah. I wonder because, you know, I think of, um, you know, you mentioned plus minus earlier and I think of like what are like our own team and like the, the metrics or stats that they care about. And you know, they're just happy if they shoot in it, you know, it's yeah. either in the net or, you know, hits the goalie and doesn't go wide. Right. So I'm always interested in, in what that looks like at a professional level, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty interested in it. I know, I know Thomas is very interested in that side of the game. Uh, Carter doesn't even know his times table. So it's a bit <laughs> of a, a give and take. Uh, quick though, eight times seven is. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the reason I ask is because you know um, I think in in the summertime we all go a little crazy. I know when there's no hockey on, like I'm miserable. Like I don't have that thing to look forward to every night. I like I do. Games. Do you? Maybe I need to do that. My, my dad. So I I went back home to the family home in Barry uh, one year. Or when I go back all the time, but one year I like sat down and I was going so crazy because there's no hockey, no baseball, no football, no basketball on. So I watched the Doug Flutie Boston University <laughs> like games and I sat there all day just watching it because I had like, <laughs> such sports withdrawal. My dad's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, I hate watching old games. I hate watching old sporting events when I know the outcome. I just can't. What about watching your own games? No, I hate that too. That's like hearing your own voice. Yeah, I love that. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. I wouldn't know what that feels like. Hello, future Chris. Yeah. Uh. I forgot you were so asmr too. It's true. Well, well, you know me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I, I would growing up. Yeah. And we had to at school. Of course. And we did a bit of video with the Furies. Um but it's tough when you're... Because the, the main reason you're usually watching video is to critique mistakes. Yeah. So that's not really fun. No, all, yeah. of course not. Was there a lot of emphasis in video work uh, in your time playing for the Furies? There was. We did a lot of sessions, but it also depended, depended on um, resources available. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was pretty tough. And also... Every game wasn't necessarily recorded in any mm-hmm. way, so it made it difficult. It was something we had more in university. Yeah. You had an assistant coach who was dedicated to doing that stuff. Um, but in the CWHL, the resources were a little less. Yeah. Are they starting to televise the CWHL a bit more? or Sportsnet did a little bit in the yeah, last couple of years. Yeah, they had, I think, three games last season. Yeah. Um, which has been really nice. They air, I think they've gotten to a point where they're now airing, like, live streaming every game. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So they have a online, you can watch them. 
What do you think the biggest misconception is for a hockey fan who's never watched women's hockey? I think the biggest misconception is that it's not good hockey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or that it's not, like, fast or yeah. like, these stupid things. I mean, the number one response you usually get when talking about women's sports in general is this, who cares? Or mm-hmm. they're not the best. Um, which I... I mean, that's unfair to say. Like, we appreciate the CFL. We appreciate World Juniors. You can appreciate sports without having to compare them to other sports. Sure, yeah. Women's hockey doesn't need to be compared to men's hockey in order to appreciate it or understand what it offers. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing is just the sort of lack of understanding of how great these athletes are. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the, like when I spoke earlier to Sidney Crosby never protects the puck and then the style of play that the women's play like you see the new NHL and women's hockey like they're starting to like the styles are starting to blend and I challenge our like listeners and like anyone I guess who our listeners are speaking to maybe watch some of these games and like watch how similar the gameplay is and yeah. like the parallel paths that they're starting to take you know like it's it's yeah. amazing like it sounds weird but it, like the style of play that you guys play is almost ahead of its time because the NHL doesn't play this broody hockey anymore yeah. mm-hmm. they're starting to play more European more synthesized game which the women's hockey no, it's you, you guys have already very true you've yeah. grown yeah. up having to play your whole lives right yeah and so like I I guess that's the homework to anyone listening is watch some of these CWHL games or these women's hockey games either in university or on the Olympic stage and watch how they play very similar to how the NHL and things are going. Yeah. Okay, so I just literally put on the Carson Cup final in the five seconds that Carter was talking and it's for free. So any listener could do it in like while they're listening to right now and just do it right away. We'll get uh, Thomas to post it in the uh, Twitter and I just searched CWHL live stream, and then that was it. There it is. So there you go. So as we wind up, what's next for you? Professionally, personally, hockey, non-hockey? Are you staying, like, involved in the Furies organization at all? Like, Yeah, so I'm not involved with the Furies right now. Um, I think it's just getting back into appreciating it in a way that I probably haven't since I was a kid. Um, so it's been separating myself from what's next in hockey mm-hmm. to now just appreciating it for getting to play. Yeah. Uh, and I think down the line, I would love to get back in to do more coaching and see how else I can help advance women's hockey. Mm-hmm. Well, if you ever want to come out to practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We would love that. Yeah. Well, you can There's very serious eyes looking at me right <laughs> well, now. Well, it is because... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think it would just be really great because I think it gives people perspective that they may not have, mm-hmm. right? And I think I need help skating. That's selfishly. <laughs> Me too. Perfect. Glad we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. um, or even as a guest for the, the Fleming or the inner college game. Or yeah, you want to be a part of a winning team. I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... As far as that's going, I think that's really commendable, though. I think, um, I mean, I can imagine that it would be tricky to step away for something to gain a different perspective on it or a different type of appreciation. Um, so that's that's really cool. Uh, 
anything else going on in your life that's exciting outside of hockey? I get to work with Carter every day, so that's really exciting. <laughs> Isn't he just the worst? I bet you met him and you're like, is this guy part of like a work release program? <laughs> <laughs> like a local penitentiary? Because he, we've always like joked that we are probably not like traditional hockey fans in that sense. Like you look at Carter and you're like, you know, where did this guy come from? He although know, he doesn't know what skates are. <laughs> yeah, he's although he's pretty done up right now. You look pretty professional. Thank you. Um, I had to present at work today. So, what's the best part about working with Carter? Um, probably getting to look at him, as everyone listening to this podcast also knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's okay. I don't know. I don't want to like pump your tires too too much. <laughs> that smile. He does, yeah. Oh. Stop. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Budweiser Red right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Great sponsored. branding. Yeah, are we sponsored now? Is that now that we've done the podcast here? I guess so. Uh, tell me about these. <laughs> are we sponsored okay. by O'Henry really now? Nice over the microphone. <laughs> okay, I'll chew into it. <laughs> uh, where can people follow your social media stuff? Don't. You're not That's in. Awful. I've, no, your Twitter pretty pretty um, good yeah at Lex Hoff on Twitter love it how do you spell it L-E-X-H-O-F-F do people call you the Hoff or was that like yeah. your hockey nickname when you were Hoff playing? or Hoff Hoff or Hoffy both yeah. are pretty sick the Hoff yeah maybe I'll call you it. Call maybe it I will just call thing. you that'll be our thing <laughs> Yeah, no, things were going pretty good. Had the boys. The Hoff was also there. <laughs> had a couple beers. It was good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Um, we're going to sign off Twitter. Not signing off Twitter. <laughs> sorry. I gave. I all, we should probably sign off Twitter. Uh, we gave uh, Thomas the exclusive access to our Twitter, so... Uh, Don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> Intern Thomas, uh, So you can follow the Twitter podcast at Takeoff Hosers. Our SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash takeoffuhosers. Uh, and you can always like and subscribe uh, on the Apple iTunes podcast. And rate and review. Rate and review. We've got a couple of really funny reviews, so keep bringing the, uh, the reviews in. It helps... Uh, show other people the podcast and all the nonsense that we're capable They're of. They're in Dutch, though. <laughs> they are in Dutch. If you were to guess... What do you call a call? What's, what's, the, ne- what's the country... This will be my last question. What's the country that we break through to? So not Canada or the U.S. with this episode. If you were Croatia. to guess. Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. Love it. Right up that one. All right. Luka Modric. I don't know what that is. The soccer player. <laughs> Not following. Okay, we're signing off. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone.